Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss two films, Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 and Sightseers from 2012. You don't have to have seen the films to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen them, just be aware that elements of the plot might be discussed and they might be spoiled for you. Enjoy. It's a spooky time. Can you see the dog? I see a yeah, doggo. He's a, we've got a special guest this week, but he don't say much. <laughs> uh, there is a livid cat staring at me at the moment because up until a few moments ago, she was sitting in this seat and and was furious. Oh, when you, she was moved. you had to move. You had to move her. I did. Oh, there I she is. I had to move her. There <laughs> she is. Look, she's absolutely Aww. furious. But how are you? It has been a long time since we... Uh, since yeah, we it has. A lot of stuff has happened. But we're looking after um, my parents-in-law's dog. So he's lovely, but you, you kind of need to be around him all the time. So like, he's a rescue and I think he was abandoned. So he's got... You know, when, he's, when you're around, you kind of have to be in the same room as him. So he's just sitting here while we're recording and he might join in. He might not. He hasn't seen either of the films we're going to talk about, oh, so it might so. not be much use either. But might not have yeah. much input. Though, but yeah, it's been like hard work looking after him <laughs> and the baby. But he's great. It's actually really nice to have that kind of part of your routine, oh. going out and walking him stuff. It's it's been a a nice peaceful thing to have. Oh, defo! It's yeah. He's such a nice dog as well. Having met him, yeah, he's very he's, he's very nice dude. He don't. He really lies down like an old person. Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want from an animal. Yeah, of course. But yeah, so much has happened in the world since we last spoke. We have a Brexit deal, supposedly. It's crap, supposedly. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. But it's 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 like... Um, I'm trying to think of a film that you know is bad and you don't need to see it to know that it's bad for comparison. But I'm so tired that I can't think of anything. <laughs> I hear that as part of the deal, Donald Tusk uh, comes up to every person in the UK and farts in their face. Yep. Uh, as part of the EU's terms. He's a very like, flatulent okay, you know man. <laughs> you know what? We'll take out the backstop and we'll we'll put in a much worse border policy that's more permanent just to annoy everybody in Ireland. More permanent um, and that contradicts the Good Friday Agreement. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's what you've got to do, right? That's what all the cool kids are doing yeah, these of days. Um, but but by putting that in, then yeah, unfortunately, we now all do have to be farted at by members of the EU. Yep, it'll either be Donald Tusk or it'll be Niles from Frasier playing Donald Tusk, just because he looks <laughs> just like him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The actor he's, whose if name he's I not can't available. Remember. If he's got more important things to do, then we get uh, we get Niles in. Yep, and then maybe it just becomes an episode of Frasier, and then it reveals that it was all a big joke. It. I mean that that is the definition of Brexit, isn't it? <laughs> An Big episode fucking of joke. <laughs> so we've got two movies to get through. We today. do, we do. So we thought because we missed last week, because I was I was indisposed, busy dealing with some family stuff, that we'd talk about both of the films that we planned to do over the last two weeks, which is a very good idea. 
and it, they're pretty different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what you mean. I think they're the both only, they're both horror films, and the only the only through road I can see, apart from the fact that they're both horror themed, is that they they're both pretty to look at, but pretty to look at in very different ways. Yes, again, in in um, very very different ways. So so let's get cracking, and shall we start with Dracula? Yep, Dracula. So, so this is 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, um, which is, I think it's one of my favourite Halloween movies to watch. I always make sure I watch it. Yeah. When did you first see it? Because I'd never seen it before. So I first saw it when I was young, which is not probably not much of a surprise to you. <laughs> when, whenever <laughs> I ask you that question, um, that's always the answer. <laughs> When, when when did you see this? Probably quite disturbing for a child to see film, Rob. Oh, <laughs> when I was two. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. I saw it when I was quite young. I can't. I don't even remember what age, but um, yeah, I was pretty young. I saw this and the um, Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein, um, both at a relatively young age, um, and, and both of which I still really love to this day. Um, but there, there's something special about Dracula. And I suppose it, it, it's the fact that it's so unashamedly gothic and so unashamedly over the top in that gothic horror way that a lot of films shy away from these days. Mm. Um, it takes a lot of risks and it's, it, it, it is, you know, not deliberately corny, but it likes to be dramatic. And, and it's kind of a, a trait that I think has kind of disappeared in horror movies is that being overly emotional and ambitious and, and fantastical yeah definitely or they do that too much obviously and then they end up taking themselves way too seriously which i think a lot of the horror films that are coming out now not that i'm an expert in it in any way as you know because i don't regularly go and see horror films but i feel like a lot of them are very po-faced and take themselves too too seriously when actually they need to lighten up a bit or just, you know, go full on with the drama and have everyone really, really hilariously overacting. And overacting is the word here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone talks about Keanu Reeves' performance, but he's not overacting so much as actually underacting, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You never quite yeah. know what's going on with him, do you? Yeah, I feel, I feel, I don't know, but there's two very strange casting decisions made in this movie, um, which were Winona Ryder as Mina, and yeah. Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. And I mean, I love this film and I love them both, but it was a very poor casting choice, particularly when you consider how good the rest of the cast is. Like, even with that, because everybody else kind of overacts to a perfect level, I think. Like, Gary Oldman's Dracula is one of my favorite horror movie villain performances. He's amazing in this. With his heart shaped um, hair. With his heart shaped hair and his weird muscle armor suit. Um,. <laughs> Uh, I, I the the um the the costumes of this film are amongst my favorite I've seen in in cinema. I really love all of the costume design here. Um mm -hmm. and 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 the costume designer of this went on to to do a series of movies. I can't remember the name of the, the person who did it now. Um but she went on to do um some incredibly visually striking films. Um and this was kind of just a taster of of what she what she's capable of really that's really cool it's really important to recognize you know all everyone who contributes to a production especially something like this where as you say the costumes are really elaborate in the best possible way the production design i think is really good all of that stuff is really spot on here 
So the things that make it most interesting are the, yeah, the performances and just the overall tone of it. Whereas you say you, it's really, really overblown, but you feel like it's still not taking itself too seriously because you've got Keanu Reeves. And then you've got Anthony Hopkins sort of jokingly <laughs> arsing around as well. I think he, he was actually the worst offender in terms of hilarious overacting. He really made me laugh and I don't really know why. I, I think that's definitely true. And, and it, it's a movie that revels in its absurdity and, and it revels in the drama. And I think that's why it's so captivating to watch. Um, so so the, the costumes were by Aiko Ishioka, who um, also did The Cell, which uh, is a really great, clever trash movie, I suppose is the best way to describe it. So um, so Jennifer Lopez is this psychologist social worker uh, who has this weird technology that allows her to go into the subconscious of, of comatose people and get sent into the subconscious of a serial killer to find out where his last victim is, who's not dead yet. <laughs> and it, it's a really, uh, like, it's a ridiculous story, but it's a it's a great film to watch and and a huge part of that is the cinematography and the costume design um Mm. and she also did um mirror mirror the um the snow white film now uh, that that's the film i needed when i was looking earlier i was trying to think of a film that i know is bad and i don't need to see it to know it's bad Um, and she did Immortals as well, um, The Fool, which is a, an incredible movie, um, and worked with Cirque du Soleil and things like that. Like she's a really brilliant costume designer. Um, but this is like, I, I really love the design of this movie, and I think that gothic tinge to it it matches up so well with with a lot of actors who are equally known for their brilliant stage performances as well so you know you've got like richard e grant here as well i know um, a main man carrie always carrie i did always. not know he was in this i love him he's and, brilliant he's really and, stupid in this and maybe the best choice of casting ever tom waits as renfield yeah who so I, I initially thought it was jim jarmusch when i saw him <laughs> with that mad hair but yeah he's brilliant um you know a movie's good when tom waits turns up in it um i don't think i've seen a movie with him in that isn't amazing he's really got Um, presence but the thing is he can act as well it's not all just oh tom waits is in it doing his tom waits thing he actually does put in a really good performance of someone being possessed and haunted and having this demonic master it actually is really well done yeah he, he is amazing in this um and and so all of these people and all of these all of these clashing um all of these clashing personalities and these clashing acting styles. Like, I don't know, you, you don't think of Anthony Hopkins and Richard E. Grant and Kerry Elwes as, as acting in a similar manner, really, do you? No. Um, but they all come together into this marvellous soup of blood. <laughs> and it, it's it's such a such an incredible movie to watch uh, when they're all together. But then you do get this bizarre notion of Keanu Reeves doing a not particularly good English accent. <laughs> Um, and Winona Ryder doing an English accent that's probably worse. Yeah, just about worse. And um, I kind of love the fact that they're in it, and I kind of love the fact that they're kind of that they're they're over their heads. They're in over their heads a little bit. Because um, I was thinking, like you know, they could have hired someone like Kenneth Branagh or um, thinking of other people who were young British actors at this time. You know, this was the early nineties. Timothy Dalton probably still would have been good enough, like um, young enough to, to play the role or um, Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst would have been a good shout. Oh no, or... sorry. That's some young British artists. <laughs> uh, no, who am I thinking of? Damien Lewis. <laughs> Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis. Yeah. 
or um or Pierce Brosnan, you know, Pierce oh, Brosnan would have can been... Can you imagine Bronholm's Dracula? He he could have been, you know, he could have been a really good choice for Jonathan Harker here, but I He don't... could also have been a really good Dracula as he well. He also could have been a good Dracula. In fact, have you seen a picture of Pierce Brosnan recently? <laughs> I saw a movie with him in recently. Really? What was that? I can't remember the name of it, but he was some kind of magical drug dealer who created this evil drug that turned everyone crazy. Um, oh, I remember hearing about this film. Sounds really interesting. <laughs> it was, was it good or was it stupid? It was it was really stupid, but it was worth watching. Um, but, uh, but but he's deliberately grown like a huge mustache and beard when he's off set now, and it's it's grey and he looks like an old king, and it's yes, great. Yeah. Um, so him now, actually, if they remade this now, he'd make a good Dracula. He would make an excellent Dracula. Um, but I was thinking, you know, do I really want to replace Keanu Reeves and Monona Ryder in this movie? And I don't think I do, because I think the strangeness of them being in this movie makes it all the more enjoyable. Um, and I don't know, I, th- I think I kind of love them here. And they don't necessarily do a bad job of portraying a young couple in love for parts of the film. And that is actually ultimately faithful to the novel as well. Yeah of them as kind of young people trying to make their way in the world, trying to forge their careers. He's trying to work so that he can marry her and stuff. And the context of all of that, that's not lost here in their performances. No, it's definitely not. And I think they're very much maligned for their performances in this movie. And I wouldn't say they're as bad as people think they are either. Um, And in part, that's because there's this overall strangeness, this fantastical feel to the movie um, that, that just, makes it something a little bit alien and and part of that's the direction so you know um francis ford coppola is one of the greats yeah um and this is a very probably best known for being nicholas cage's uncle i mean of course he's best known for that um (laughs) but uh but you know he in terms of his greatest movies he's got um he's got the godfather trilogy which is you know that's fine I've never seen it. Adam tried to show me The Godfather once and I fell asleep. (laughs) But that was because we started watching it at midnight. Yeah, that's probably... It wasn't because I was bored. That's probably not the best time to to watch it. Um, He he did The Conversation as well, which is a great movie. Um, And of course, Apocalypse Now, which is one of my all-time favourite movies. I I really think that's a a fantastic... um, I don't think I've ever seen that either. It's It's based on um, Heart of Darkness, isn't it? Yeah, which is a book I never got on with, but I try. I think I tried to read it once when I was fourteen, found it really boring, and then just left it. There's no hearts in this. There's no darkness in this. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a man on a boat going down a river, and I was like, I'm bored already. Yeah, (laughs) it's like Moby Dick, but without a whale. Boring. No, no one was called Ahab (laughs) or Queequeg. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like Apocalypse Now. I think it's a, a wonderful film. Um, but this is his his version of Dracula stands alone from the rest of his his works. I think There's, nothing else he's done quite feels like it. And and interestingly, I was reading the other day that um, he's coming back to making movies again. So he's been he's he's sort of made a few more movies in the nineties and into the two thousands that didn't do particularly well. And then he just decided, fuck it, I'm going to go off and do something weird which he did, and it was some kind of strange art piece cinematography thing. Um, Sounds like he was working with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> well, actually, um, it started out as a movie, but then it turned into a monthly subscription service for muffins. Um, <laughs> it, what's, that sounds like the kind of ruse that I would pull. That's from um, 
what's that? That's that's Bojack Horseman, isn't it? It's one. It's something that Todd <laughs> yeah. comes up with. Um, but he he's announced that he's coming back to um, direct a a passion project of his that he's never been able to get off the ground called Megalopolis. Or me- I'm listening. Uh, and and it's a it's like a sci-fi movie about this architect who after this huge disaster decides to rebuild new york city from the ground up um with lots of weird futuristic shit and it sounds like a real i don't know i love it when directors get to do something strange like that um so that's really cool he's ancient now francis ford coppola i was gonna say he must be what 90 um so i don't think he's 90 yet but he was hold on let's do a quick bit of maths uh, he must be nearly ninety. I think he was born in like nineteen forty. Yeah, you know the, or so. the Coppola sequence. It's like um, like the Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think he must be about eighty, late late eighties. I don't think he's quite. He's, I don't think he's quite uh, ninety yet, but he's getting on in years, cool. and he's coming back to make this bizarre, beautiful sci-fi movie, um, which I really hope gets off the ground this time. It would be fascinating that sounds really to cool. See. Yeah. But I do love it when directors who are obviously really good at, you know, making film as a whole, because, you know, you can be a really, really great director of particular types or genres of films or films with certain types of content, but that doesn't mean you can make any film. But when directors who are obviously very skilled turn their talents to another genre, and especially something like horror, I love that. And I I always love how, how ambitious it is and how much they bring to the table. And yeah, even if, you know, you do end up with Keanu Reeves, there's still so much vision there and so much grandeur. And that just, that makes it a really enjoyable film to watch. Yeah, and and what I really love was that you know parts of this movie are very forward thinking in their in their cinematography and in their design, um, and you can see elements here in in films like Crimson Peak, for instance. You know, there's a clear mm. through road from this to Crimson Peak. Um, That's a great film. But also, there's elements that are really classic and old fashioned. Um, so, like uh, the um, when Dracula's eyes appear in the clouds in the sky. It's this very clear callback to like the uh, to 1960s French cinema, which really used that kind of design a lot more. Um, so it's it's a movie that understands its roots and it understands um, how to feel timeless, how to pull upon uh, the classics of cinema, as well as looking towards what the future might hold. And and I think that was very clever because obviously. Um, Dracula's roots in in cinema are are very long running. You know, they they run deep. Um, you know, you've got Nosferatu, one of the most uh, like prominent examples of early early cinema. Um, and and so I think it was very clever of them to actually make this film feel like it lasts through ages, just in terms of the way it looks and the way it feels. Yeah, and Bela Lugosi, obviously. Yeah. um and then yeah you've got uh christopher lee uh, you've got you know it's dracula is dracula is a a permanent fixture in in, on the silver screen Um, yeah for sure it's amazing really when you think about it how all of those kind of things have endured so much characters like dracula and frankenstein and, and whatever how they've become such a mainstay of horror but when there's there is a new version it generally tends to be worth seeing it's true it's true um i i it's going to be interesting to see where they go with it because um warner brothers were trying to create uh 
something called the dark universe where they were trying to do like a monster movie cinematic universe akin to the marvel the mcu or the dc uh cu Um, twilight already had vampires and wolf boys you can't have them both in the same universe again that's just stealing you've got underworld you've got twilight you can't have a third one um and so the the first movie of this was uh tom cruise's the mummy which did so badly that it killed it killed the entire idea um, unfortunately, by the time the mummy came out, they'd already announced that they were going to be doing other films. So Johnny Depp was going to be um, the Invisible Man, I think, and then maybe he should do that more often. <laughs> and then Russell Crowe was going to be uh, Doctor Jekyll, um, oh. and he appeared in um, in the Mummy as Doctor Jekyll, which is a the Mummy's a, a fine movie. It's nothing special. Um, it doesn't have the charm of the uh, of the nineties and early two thousands movies. Which um, I have seen the mummy, which the is 90s. which is awesome, and and that holds up super well. Um, now, where where does the Scorpion King with Dwayne the Rock Johnson fit into that? So he was the villain of the I second. See that he was the villain. He was the villain of the second Mummy movie, who then got a prequel where he was the hero. That's um, right, and that's a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should talk about that sometime. <laughs> we definitely should. Um, but interestingly enough, um like straight after the failure of the dark universe um blumhouse who do um a lot of great horror movies so they did do the conjuring they do insidious um the nun they the nun uh they they really have have almost you know more than any other production company they've made horror popular in cinemas again um through some very clever um clever releases and uh, all made on a very modest budget and they've actually been given the opportunity to make the invisible man um but as a traditional horror movie so that's going to be a remake of again one of these very classic horror stories which will be interesting to see how they do and if if that's successful successful i wonder if we'll see um them taking on more of these and i'd love for them to do a really creepy um mummy movie I think, you know, people go into a pyramid, then a curse gets unleashed, and they get chased by an undead Egyptian sorcerer. That's a fun time for everybody. What more it? could you want? He's yeah. covered in toilet roll. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a, a nice cheap movie as well. There's nothing scarier than cheap toilet roll. You know, I bet the mummies, the, what they're covered in is the scratchiest stuff. You know, when you stay in like an Ibis budget hotel or something, and it's that really scratchy <laughs> stuff that's basically just like printer paper. The like stuff, that. the stuff that offices get in. Hmm. Um. Yeah. It's it, so it's going to be interesting to see what that does. But I don't know. I think a, I think a movie like Dracula that needs that grandiose attitude, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because and, Dracula and is a grandiose figure himself. Precisely. Precisely. And and so I think this this movie really succeeds because it manages to to tap into what makes dracula as a story great because it's a scary it's a scary story it's still a scary book i don't know if you've ever read dracula yeah yeah um didn't we still... study it on our degree uh i didn't but maybe you did it as maybe one of I the did. modules that i didn't yeah. do um but there's still moments of it in it uh all these years later that are still very scary so reading through the journals of the ship captain of, of the of the vessel that's taking dracula's coffin whose crew is slowly disappearing yeah over the course of the journey that's still a very harrowing read um there's these moments within the novel which still work incredibly well which can't be said for 
every piece of literature from that era um and so it's still got something special about it all these years later um and very rarely does a movie adaptation fail um the big shout out to dracula untold uh i don't know if you've ever seen dracula no, untold. what is dracula untold dracula untold is the uh prequel story to dracula where he's a good guy that gets betrayed and then has to turn to the power of being a vampire to get revenge yeah um, so it's... does that mar- match up with the title the opening sequence of francis ford coppola's dracula where you see him like centuries before as a, as a sexy young knight man and then he comes back and he finds that they killed his wife and then he renounces god and then becomes a vampire yeah so imagine that but stretched over two hours with shit cgi right <laughs> um it's a it's a bad movie and uh when was it I, made so this was back in 2014 our boy luke evans is dracula no way um it's worth watching it's really good fun but it is a it's a bad movie i'd watch it um, if, if he's in it it's got luke evans it's got dominic cooper it's got charles dance oh charles dance um, it, the seagull man himself it's it's uh it's really awesome but um yeah it's uh it's it's not good, but it is enjoyable to watch. Charles um, Dance, he's has a supporting role in most things. Yeah, I love Charles Dance. You can and find I, him I'm, usually in the background somewhere. Yeah, and I'm 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 a Charles Dance hipster because lots of people love him now because he was in Game of Thrones. But I'm like, motherfuckers, you went around for classic Charles Dance fun. <laughs> you weren't there you for just, Dracula Untold. <laughs> or, or like, you weren't there for Alien Three. He's in Alien Three. He's amazing really um yeah he's have have you ever seen alien 3 no i think i've only seen the first one but that is like one of the greatest films ever made yeah i i love alien i i kind of love of um all of the alien movies even the bad ones and the vast majority of them are bad films (laughs) but they all do something different and the fact that they all do something different is is really good fun um so even when they're even when they're bizarre and not very good um there's still there's still something special about all of them um, no, i think charles dance's most significant role is playing a snooty mp in ali g in the house <laughs> of, course. of course that is the highlight of everybody's career you know what i think about a year or two ago i was in a hotel room flicking channels and that movie came on it actually wasn't that bad i imagine it's good fun yeah have you never seen it i'm i don't think i have actually no I remember watching the Allergy series when it was on, but I don't think I ever watched the movie. Yeah, it's it's a classic comedian becomes prime minister plot, but it's it's funny. <laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah, but um, yeah, if you watch your old clips from Allergy, it actually holds up surprisingly well. Yeah, it does. It still works really well. Um, it's one of those co- it's one of those comedies that it's still fresh, and it's still it's still funny all these years later. I suppose a bit like Brass Eye, you can get a lot of success out of making fun of the establishment without them realizing that you're doing so yeah yeah um, and of course brass eye is a much smarter show that um, thing with cake and yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> the the anti-drug movement called fucked and bombed is <laughs> still one of the things where i just laugh thinking about it and there's he got um, an mp to go on camera and go help fucked and bombed <laughs> yeah um which which is amazing um, His new film's supposed to be quite good. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it because um, I don't know. He's one of those people where 
he he knows how to toe the line remarkably well between um like satire and and pushing it too far um yeah like, he's, like four he's always lions, on the borderline isn't he like four lions is an understandably controversial movie but it's also one of the funniest movies ever made yeah but i think chris morris ultimately he knows how to make people laugh he, he knows how to make things ridiculous and that's the key to it isn't it rather than making things schlocky or shocking just for the sake of shocking he knows how to actually make things amusing and funny yes yeah exactly um which is a rare it's a rare trait isn't it being able to toe the line between the two yeah um, yeah so he's had a great career as well you know go from stuff like brass eye that was so good to then doing yeah real hit films now like four lions and such it's yeah great. and and what's great is that he also he picks his projects well like he doesn't just do something for the sake of it um you know it could have been so easy for him to do another series of brass eye like however many years later and just phone it in but yeah. you, kind, you kind of know with him that when he decides to do something he does it for a reason and and that's you know it's a rare quality in in sort of um film media it is actually but going back to this week's film i feel like francis ford coppola made his dracula for a reason you know he he did he got the feeling he did have something to say by saying hey i'm this kind of filmmaker i can make this kind of film i can tell a classic story and a horror story and make it scary and put my own touch on it here you go yeah, and he does, and I think it's one of the best uh, vampire movies in in cinematic history. Um, you know, it's up there with. Uh, have you ever seen Interview with the Vampire? Yes, um, yeah, which is a, a great movie. Um, That's very good. Di- not as good as Twilight, Neil Jordan, but oh, obviously not. Um, but director Neil Jordan, he came back uh, in 2012 to do another vampire movie uh, called Byzantium, which I don't know if you've seen. Oh, I know, I haven't heard um, of that. So it stars um, Shersha Ronan and Gemma Arterton as um, as these two vampires, and again, it kind of um, much like Interview with the Vampire. It it tells a story set in the modern day for part of it, but then it it shows their lives throughout time. And I I won't spoil it, but it's got one of the most interesting uh, ways of showing someone being turned into a vampire, and it's not your old. I'm going to suck your blood kind of thing. Oh, it's, what? It's, it, it's done in a much more interesting and sort of unnerving way that that really works well. So I recommend, in fact, anybody who likes vampire movies, go and watch Byzantium. It's, it's a cool film. Hmm. It's, it's really, it, it does things in a lot more subtle a way than a lot of vampires movies do as well. So that's a good one. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, this Dracula is a is one of the classics. Um, I, I really love it. Yeah, it's a um, good horror film, and it's a very good one for this sort of mid horror month period because it it's it's classic actually, isn't it? It's it ticks all the boxes. You know what you're going to get, but there's enough intrigue and enough fun stuff to keep you entertained. It's great for sure, for sure. Um, and and since we're a romance podcast. I like the fact that they they really amp up the idea of it being a love triangle. Yeah, I, I think you know there, there's hints of it in the book, but they really sort of turned it up for the film, and it, I think it works really well actually. Um, yeah, it does, and in the end, you you still get the feeling that Mina is actually a bit confused about it, and there's bits where you feel like she is in love with Dracula, and he's her prince and whatever, and he sort of visits her in her bed, and there's all this stuff. Yeah, it's actually it gets surprisingly sexy between them. And yeah, not just in a vampire way. No, and vampires are inherently sexy. 
Yeah, um, obviously. The, the whole What's hotter than Fangs? Exactly. I mean, oh, as an aside, by the way, if you were going to turn into any classic monster, which one would you choose? I I still think I'd want to be a wolfman. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, vampires are cool, but wolfman is sort of big and powerful in a way that, you know, everyone sees a wolfman and they're like, there's a big, powerful guy. I'm not going to mess with him. But at the and same... I, I also like the idea of howling at the moon as well. <laughs> I feel like it would be really cathartic to howl at the moon. But at the same time, a, a lot of the time, wolf boys can't control what they're doing. We're, no. we're not, we're not going to go down the twilight route where they can control what they're doing. You know, we think so. So would you accept the the possibility that you wouldn't be able to control yourself under the full moon and you might go and kind of like going on a bender yeah you might go you punch up a weather spoons or something yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. just destroy the local pub yeah exactly nor all the tables because for me i think this says a lot about me as a person that i'd definitely be a vampire and i don't think i've had much of a problem drinking people's blood to stay alive because a lot of people are dickheads <laughs> that's um, true so I don't know. You'd be cool. You could play in a cool goth band and no one would think none the wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, Which get... is, that's like that Jim Jarmish film that we watched last year, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Or, um, You'd be that vampire. Or Queen of the Damned as well, in uh, the, the trashy sequel to Interview with the Vampire, where he decides he wants to become a cool new metal musician. I haven't seen um, that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is the plot. He becomes a cool new metal guy. Uh, the new sound... metal as an NU, new yeah. metal. Yep, the soundtrack is done by Jonathan Davies from Corn. Oh right, blimey! Uh, and and so when he's singing on stage, he's singing with his voice. He's like, oh, I'm a vampire. Um, <laughs> he's a bit of a vampire, Jonathan Davies. He could be a vampire. You I could, could see s- him sucking some blood. Yeah, defo. I could see him, you know, flapping outside the window. Yeah, with, with some bagpipes under his arm. <laughs> um. But yeah, so so um, I, I like the fact that they introduced that romantic element more and, and it made um, Dracula more of a character and gave him more of a motivation beyond just being a creepy villain, which he is. Um, and, and, you know, there's some very disgusting and very scary scenes in this movie, but it's all wonderful to watch. And it's, yeah, yeah it's it's a good one. I like it. It made me chuckle when he appears like as a sort of normal human guy in a weird grey suit and like tries to seduce her on the streets of London and she's not having it uh, because <laughs> yeah. he does just come across as a weird sort of Tommy Wiseau in John Lennon specs kind of pervert, <laughs> which is what all men were like in the Victorian era. This is true; they were all like milady, milady. Yeah. Today, today's men's rights activists they Definitely. probably think that like that version of Gary Oldman's Dracula is a god. <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure because um, he he like basically kind of talks to her and negs her and winds her down he's a pickup artist basically he is uh, what what is more of a pickup artist than turning up outside someone's window in the middle of the night yeah and then the becoming ultimate, a wolf and having sex with her friend that that's the ultimate alpha male <laughs> alpha male move isn't it yeah um so uh conscious of time we've got another movie to get yes onto. we do so, um do you want to rate now and do some trivia now yeah yeah let's let's do it that way actually yeah i, I just have to say it's, it's very very good if you haven't seen it really seen it uh really really worth seeing really really good overblown mildly hilarious but still yeah an excellent vampire film yeah if you want a, a good old silly vampire movie that really loves its gothic horror roots and this is a great one to watch yeah um, it comes from a good place yeah 
and it's well executed. Yeah, so get on it. If you've not seen it before, you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, so, so a little bit of trivia, the wedding between uh, Mina and Jonathan. Oh, yeah, in a random chapel in Ukraine or wherever it was. So it, it was a reshoot done in a Greek Orthodox church in LA, but they f- the, the ceremony was done with a genuine Greek Orthodox minister, uh, which hmm. means that Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves might actually be married <laughs> <laughs> under, under Greek Orthodox, which is something they discussed recently, actually. Um, so they're not actually sure whether they're, they're officially married. That's brilliant. That way, which is which is hilarious. Um, just a couple of other things. Um, so the um, the scream as uh, um, as uh, Dracula stabs his sword into the cross at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's not Gary Oldman doing that. It's the lead singer of the punk band The Cramps. Oh, that's and cool. And then they dubbed it in, which I think is cool. Hmm. Did they take it from one of the songs, or did he do it specially? Um, so I think he did it specially. Hmm. That's uh, cool. Which is cool. I I thought um, that was a good scene, actually. Good good moment. Yeah. You're like, actually, oh, that's how someone becomes like that. I get it now. And um, finally, um, the uh, the the casting of Keanu Reeves, Francis Ford Coppola has criticised it himself and said he did it because he needed a young hot star. <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> which, which fair enough. Um, Nothing wrong with that, though. I, but I think I think there's something fun i i know that keanu reeves doesn't really like his work in it um either i think there's still something special about the this movie warts and all yeah absolutely i wouldn't change it so shall we move on to talk about our second movie yeah or, oh no you want we to need to yes yeah, so we rate it so um how are we going to rate this how many how many vampire wives do you have to stop from drinking Keanu Reeves' blood? <laughs> yeah, it's like it goes to 20 minutes and suddenly he's there and then he's having dinner with Dracula, he's a bit angry and then suddenly he's captured by all the random sexy ghostly wives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all the all the vampire brides, yeah. uh, one of which is Monica Bellucci. It is, yeah. Um, um, and, uh, I have got 14 of them. Yeah, and I have 15. This movie is awesome and I I really love watching it. And I think more people should watch it. Yep. And the romantic element is genuinely actually very interesting and not just tacked on as well. It fits it very elegantly into the Dracula story. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's good. Very good. So next, let us go on to talk about our second movie. A um, completely which, different film. <laughs> which is very different. They genuinely um, couldn't get much more different, even though both are technically horror films with an element of romance, literally just like polar opposites. Yep. Yeah, so so our second movie is Sightseers from 2012. Um, ben Wheatley's big breakout film, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like British caravanning equivalent of natural born killers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. where where um these two dysfunctional adults they go off on a caravanning holiday um seeing various sites across yorkshire and cumbria and uh start going on a murder spree together yeah and it it really works because it's it's done in a very very british way but not in a way that's clichéd at a time when it's profoundly embarrassing to be british this is a film that actually made me feel proud to be british and it made me think that you know the 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 very british humor of it and the way that the characters interact it's almost like a mike lee film and it made me yeah it made me feel good about being british for once 
Yeah, it's true that this movie could only be made by Brits, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, it's it's incredibly dark and dry in its humor, but it's also very very funny a lot of the time. Yeah. Um it's also very grisly. Um there's some scenes of of quite horrible death in it. Yeah. But um, I don't but I never felt it was gratuitous at any point, which is the line that these kind of films have to walk. Yeah, it it never overdoes it, and I think that's a that's something that Ben Wheatley's really good at. I don't know if you've seen any of his other films. Um, I don't know if I have, actually. I know of him. I know his name. I know he's well-respected. done a few different things. Yeah, because I, I really love him. Um, so he, he started off with Ideal, I think, is really sort of like the main thing that um, that brought him to light. So that was a TV series with um, Johnny Vegas. Right. Um, this comedy series um, where he's a drug dealer. Um and it's a very sort of strange and off the wall, bizarre, bizarre series. Um, but then off the back of that, he did um, Kill List, which is a great little horror movie. Again, very low key, very dry, but that um, that really captured this very strange tone, this very dark tone, and and this kind of offbeat tone. Um, but after that, he went on to do Sightseers, which kind of really blew up and i think a lot of people really loved and and connected with this movie um i've heard nothing but good things about it but i never got around seeing it until we were watching it for this and i'm glad that i did because i really enjoyed it yeah it's it's really good fun so um so we've got our our two leads we've got um chris played by steve oram and um tina played by alice lowe alice lowe of course, from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Yeah, although she looks so different in this. It's really, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I didn't realise it was her right away. And then I was like, oh, of course. Yep, right. Um, which is a series I absolutely adore. <laughs> I love I love Dark Place yeah. so much. It has a, I, um, still, I think, has a really big cult following, but genuinely is un- still underrated because it's such a great and very short um, show. They only did the one series, didn't they? Or are there two? No, so they did the one series, and then um, they did Man to Man with Dean Lerner. Oh, yeah. yeah. The uh, talk show with the, the producer of Dark Place. Um, but Alice Lowe is, um, is great in this, in a very different role. Um, and that was so... the first time I was aware of Matt Berry. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, who is wonderful. And I, I, I think maybe next year um or, or or just something for you to watch when you've got a spare 30 minutes here and there paddy is have you watched what we do in the shadows no again heard nothing nothing but good things about it which is amazing both the film and the subsequent tv series are incredible and matt berry's in in the tv show uh and it's so funny like genuinely so funny as somebody who loves vampires i love their sort of comedic take on the whole thing he's um, great but yeah did you so, ever um, see um the series snuffbox no, but I heard that was good. It was good. It was a really odd um, sketch show with Matt Berry and Rich Fulcher that they wrote. It was really dark, really strange. But some of the um, some of the sketches individually have made me just absolutely howl with laughter. I'll find a couple of them and send them to you. But yeah, he's he's just great. He's just got such a wacky sense of humour, but it always works. Matt Berry, I mean, but it follows yes. on because. Um, I think Alice Lowe was in a couple of the couple of scenes in that, and there's all. It seems like there's this nice sort of scene of um, British comedians who have been in a lot of stuff together over the years, all working together, and it's clearly 
a nice sort of family feel. Like I, um, I gather that Alice Lowe and Steve Orham, who wrote it, have been working together for a long time, and you can sort of tell that because it fits together nicely. Yeah, there's this real. I don't know that there's some people that just work together incredibly well, don't they? Um, and and it shows it shows so well uh, it it and it feels so real as well and, and you know the the locations that they visit so they go from from place to place on their little caravanning holiday um and the locations they visit are real tourist attractions um which is really neat um but i don't know i feel like it the moment that the first murder happens is is really shocking and it kind of yeah. changes the entire tone of the film instantly where you're like oh god what what kind of movie what kind of movie am i, am I getting into yeah because up to that point it could just be one of those sort of observational comedy type things british people caravanning yeah, as i said could, you could compare it to mike lee it could just be a film like that and actually if that was the film they wanted to make they probably could make it work but yeah, yeah they, they definitely dark, could. And you see him like smirking so that she can't see after he's killed this guy <laughs> you're like oh okay yeah. that's what he's like <laughs> yeah and 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 it's really funny because this movie does a really good job of of on the whole you don't feel that unhappy about the people who are murdered dying um so you've got rude man who litters you've got smug writer in his fancy caravan <laughs> yeah he's really annoying you, you've got daily mail reader who tells them to pick up their dog excrement yeah Um, who is just a kind of picture perfect caricature of someone who really really cares about wildlife (laughs) yeah who 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 goes to care about wildlife so that they can sneer at poor people yeah um and then you've got um trashy person who's getting married who makes out with with random bloke um but then you, you you do have uh I I do feel incredibly sorry for their last victim though, mm. um who is this guy who's created <laughs> it's such a he's such a great character he's this fella who's created this little traveling uh it's, it's like, like a, a pod that goes on the back of a bike for you to yeah, sleep in like a bike's caravan so it's this tiny little like pod that surely on the back exists of your bicycle now that's got to be on Kickstarter. It must be. It must be. Um, so, so he's he's doing this test run of it, and he he strikes up a friendship um, <laughs> w- with Chris, um, which then Tina gets obviously very um, upset about, and eventually he gets pushed down a cliff in his uh, in his little mini caravan. And it's it's really sad because he's such a that he's done nothing but be nice and try and be try and like strike up a friendship with these people um and he and finds himself it. caught between them as they're arguing about their relationship as well yeah and so he yeah. he's almost he's caught in the crossfire of that which is still i think more the point of the film than the murders is actually their relationship and that's why as you say as a, a horror film with a romantic story attached it really works yeah definitely because it is all about them as a couple um and and if you look at the sort of story arc of them um it does almost follow this the the typical movie trajectory doesn't it of like things start off and there's a bit of friction but then things get really good then things suddenly get very bad and then they get good again yeah um so it, it kind of does follow that that structure which is which is neat and i think it's a very clever subversion of the kind of film that they're making here um where yes it's it's kind of an offbeat romantic comedy but also they murder people along the way 
Yeah, um, but the murders fit into their relationship in a really interesting way as well. And every time one happens, it sort of it punctuates a moment in their relationship and their development as as in characters who are being intimate with each other. So that really works well. Yeah, it it, it they all fit in incredibly well into that structure, um, which is which is great. Um, and I just kind of, I I think this is nearly a perfect movie for what they set out to do. And, you know, uh, people might not like it as much as I do, but that's more to do with the the types of movies people like rather than the film itself. And for, for what they wanted to do, I don't think they could have done it any better than they, they have done here. No, absolutely not. No, it absolutely does what it set out to do, for sure. So, And it I is think- ambitious in a way to try and tell that story, to try and make it so, so British and about caravanning and, you know, and dogs and cups of tea and all that stuff that seem kind of, you know, kind of low key and a bit drab, but that's kind of, that's ambitious in a way to try and attach um, a romantic story and a kind of a murder element to that as well. There's an ambition there as well, even if it's not the same as, how big can we make Gary Oldman's hair when he's Dracula? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, given the budget as well. So this movie only cost a little bit over a million pounds to make. Wow. Um, and they do an incredible job with it. And it's a, it's a beautifully shot movie. And I think Ben Wheatley has shown time and time again that he's, he's brilliant at that kind of stuff. So um, he, he did uh, high rise the um, adaptation of the JG Ballard book. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, which is a beautiful movie. It's a really good adaptation of the novel as well, because the novel is bizarre and, and incomprehensible at times. And the movie also is bizarre and incomprehensible, but it captures the kind of attitude um, perfectly. Right. Um, that's yeah that's one i'd like to see i've never read the book but i've always meant to obviously jg ballard's really good really good yeah i love i love ballard's work um and uh yeah he, he does a he does a great job of, of of adapting it um but interestingly enough his next movie is going to be an adaptation of rebecca yes i which did see that yeah which is one of my favorite novels um and it's got um army hammer and lily james as the two leads which is <laughs> i mean it's a terrible name i'm sorry army yeah a, i don't have a problem with him as a person but that is just a hilarious name <laughs> and i i really i i like him as an actor as well i think he's very good um with with keely hawes as well and Kristen scott thomas it's uh, probably best known for her performance in under the cherry moon of course yeah of course of course that classic <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm very excited to see that because it's a book I love from a director I love with a cast I really enjoy as well. Um, and then he's also doing the next Tomb Raider movie. Oh, cool. Um, Why not? Which is cool. Written by Amy Jump, who he works with all the time, who's also his wife. Oh, yes. She um, said she worked on this film as well. Sightseers. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she wrote Kill List. She wrote High Rise, the, oh, the cool, adaptation. Cool. Um, and also rate free fire which is another one of his great movies that came out a couple of years ago um, cool. and so this film was produced they, they... by naira park as well who's worked on pretty much all of edgar wright's stuff um and obviously when a director and a producer work together that much you realize actually so much of the aesthetic and the tone of the films that is credited to the director actually is from the producer as well yes yeah and i think um edgar wright was an executive producer on sightseers too all oh, right um 
So it does um, have a bit, a little, a touch of his kind of tone, doesn't it? A certain, yeah, you know, yeah. je ne sais quoi. And and so it's yeah, it's it's cool. I really like this film, and I think they did a great job with with what they had to work with. Yeah, for sure. And as you say, it is beautiful. It it there are a number of very very good shots of the the British countryside. Um, you know, ending up in the Ribble Valley, which is obviously a hilarious name. <laughs> Definitely. But um, yeah, it, make, it makes it all look very, very nice. I mean, feel like actually, if it wasn't for all the darkness that is there, it would actually be a very nice holiday to go on. Because it does capture the feel of those kind of holidays as well. Um, and I, I really love those kind of um, British countryside holidays where you go to those kind of banal um, destinations and there's something there's something magical about them. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, going to the um, going to like old ship museums down in Cornwall, yeah, um, or Barometer World, Barometer World, and 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 yeah, going to the Graphite Museum and things like that. There, <laughs> there's something special about those kind of things, um, and something inherently British about them as well. Barometer World is real, by the way. Is it really? I Where's didn't Barom- just make that up. It's in Where Devon. is Barometer? Oh, Barometer World, Merton. See, I Devon. wasted all my time. I don't in- think it's that far from I- Exeter. We should have gone. I don't know why I never I was, took you. I was going to say, I, I wasted all of my time down in Devon. Um, yeah, what were we doing? The, studying and playing video games? Going to the Otter Sanctuary or going to the to, to Buckfast Abbey to see monks make uh, hideous drinks that turn Scottish people insane. <laughs> yeah, Buckfast Abbey is a magical place. <laughs> it really is. Did you visit Buckfast Abbey when you were down yeah, there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was nice. It's, it's, really it's nice. nice there. It really is. Really chill. But yeah, Buckfast um, wine. That's yeah, not Buck, nice. That's not Buckfast, a good drink. Buckfast tonic wine made by monks <laughs> turns Scottish people mad. Um, <laughs> is one of the strangest quirks of, of British culture, I think, is how this drink from Devon has yeah. caused such antisocial behaviour on the other side of, of, of the nation. And you know what? Brexit's not going to affect that. It's something no. that's made in England, shipped to Scotland. That's that's where it ends. Buckfast is a perfect metaphor for the treatment of Scotland by the English as a whole, really, isn't it? <laughs> Have something that will make you go insane, but please stay in our union. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to ruin your lives, but don't you dare blame us for it. Yeah. It's your fault. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I can't remember how we got onto Buckfast Sonic Wine, but me neither. It's not shown anywhere in Sightseers, but you wouldn't be surprised, would you? No, um, but it's it's a surprisingly sweet movie at times as well. You can get a personalised bottle of Buckfast wine with your face on it. Is that? Do you want me to get you that for Christmas? Can you get non-alcoholic Buckfast? You probably can. If you can get non-alcoholic Buckfast, <laughs> that's what I want for Christmas. All right, I'd love it. Consider it done. <laughs> or I could just get the bottle done, take out the wine, and then pour something else in it. Yeah, get put some Ribena in it. Yep. <laughs> oh no, Vimto. Vimto is definitely. Yeah, we discussed this. V- Vimto wine. is superior. That's that's. A, I wouldn't say superior, but in terms of the things that will make you go insane through sheer sugar consumption, Vimto is going to get the job done when Ribena won't. Yep. Um, For sure, it'll never let you down. <laughs> and I. So so. Sightseers, I'm aware that we're running up on time soon, but I just wanted to say about how much I love the ending of this film because A, it uses one of my favourite songs ever, um, The Power of Love by Frankie Mm. Goes to Hollywood, which I adore. And if you have bad words to say about that song, get out. It's a (laughs) classic. 
um one of the most underappreciated bands of the 80s did you frankly. did you like when it was done on that john lewis advert a few years ago oh i loved it i love sad piano covers of great songs hey let's take out all the layering and what makes this song magical and replace <clears> it with a piano that'll make and it good and someone singing in a really mannered way <laughs> which song um, will it be this year we should take bets it's gonna be ah oh, no. they done take on me it's good it's gonna be take on me take on it? me is a really good shout yeah. or or something from the 90s yeah i guess maybe. it's uh, <clears throat> far enough along now it's gonna be um if you want to be my lover by the Spice Girls, wannabe, but sung really slow by Adele. I could, I could see it being a Spice Girls song, actually. But yeah. what other ones would fit? Maybe Goodbye. To Become One. Or To Become One, yeah. To Become One might be a good one. I mean, that's already a ballad, but you could still strip it back further. Yeah, you could slow it down, make it a piano song. That that might be it. I need Christmas like I never needed it before gonna give presents to my baby exactly yeah easy it's gonna work someone should be paying us for this shit yeah hey john lewis (laughs) hey john lewis if you're listening i know john that you listen all the time yeah as do you lewis yeah (laughs) lewis (laughs) Um, doesn't like it as much no he doesn't john makes him do it yeah um yeah hire us we'll do your advert songs <laughs> yeah um but it's a really powerful ending and it's quite unexpected as well i won't go into spoilers i guess because it is a big old spoiler but well we always like... have spoiler warning at the beginning of the podcast so you we do but 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 this is a particularly big spoiler i think like yeah ruining the last five seconds of a movie yeah is is that's a bad move <laughs> it's really unexpected and just great yeah, it's it's good, but it's it, good. it's it's really unexpected, but still perfect in what it does for both their relationship and for the the grim elements of it as well. Yes, yeah, it, and it it fits in incredibly well, and it it ties up in the whole the whole character relationship, and and not just theirs, but but the entire piece of characters. So her mother, for instance, and her um you know like the deceptions that she's shown to have throughout the movie as well and and that horrible kind of symbiotic relationship um it all ties together perfectly into that sort of end scene it's it's great it's really good it is it's a very very good film and also a good one to watch for halloween but in a again as a more light-hearted way less of a kind of i want to watch something to be scared obviously it is grisly but yeah it's it's very fun and enjoyable a very and a very good mid-october watch i'd say yeah i agree it's if if you don't feel like you can watch a straight on horror movie during the halloween if gary oldman talking like this is too much (laughs) for you then then watch something a little bit more more low-key but equally as captivating yeah and it's a british thing and a, a thing that is distinctly british that is good and those are in short supply yeah it's basically that and black pudding yeah pretty much how do you feel about white pudding white pudding's okay but I like I, it. but it's not as good as black pudding. Black pudding is the king. Yeah, for sure. I um, really want some black pudding now. I could go for that or a bit of square sausage. Have you ever had square sausage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is some good shit. If we're talking great things from Scotland, yeah, then you got to go for that. Um, anyway, right. So I have a little bit of extra chat to do. So shall we? rate this movie yes do you have trivia have we covered all the the i think we've i think we pretty much covered all the trivia um 
you know you know that they they kind of wrote it between them the two leads which is cool and that probably helps explain why it all feels so natural yeah um and yeah that it sort of filmed all around these kind of uh local tourist attractions um so like the tram lines yeah i love the caverns and everything like that um which again lends itself well to the the very british tone of it yes exactly it's it's genuine it's genuine and that's what makes it work so well um so how are we going to rank this uh how many giant pencils did you buy does that work (laughs) for you yeah or how many murders did you do on your caravan trip yeah or how many how many caravan murders did you do whilst holding a giant pencil i did 16 16 with my big pencil and i also did 16 i'm surprised this didn't make the news because that is a lot of murders very good (laughs) (laughs) right so i have some news paddy some news yeah i saw you found a film that you want us to watch well i did (laughs) we're gonna share that when halloween month's over um because it's gonna be a doozy um because <laughs> yeah, shout out to alicia for for bringing it to our attention it is it looks awesome um but uh yeah i saw a film paddy it's a film, a film that you know of it's a film called joker oh yes yeah how and... how was it i've heard generally good things um but still some kind of mixed reports out there so yeah film so it is it is a real mixed bag um where it is not the greatest movie ever made. Um, and in fact, I wouldn't even say, I know lots of people have been talking about Wacky and Phoenix's performance as being Oscar worthy. I wouldn't necessarily say it is, although it is good because he's a good actor. Um, but I came out of it very surprised because it has this amazing anti-capitalist bent to it, which I was so really I hear, expecting. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time in, in uh, sort of, uh, comic book movies they can take on this theme of an enemy uh representing something so you know it could be colonialism or 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 uh evil billionaires or what have you um but it's always down to the individual so this is a bad guy who did this but what joker does and that i've, I've not seen it done in a in a superhero movie even ones that are far out like super which really does talk about it in more of a societal manner um the villain in in joker is the way that capitalism destroys the lives of uh un- like underprivileged people oh wow which is amazing and it's such a surprise to do and it's it's not perfect in any way you know um so there's still issues with it the the way that it represents uh mental illness is not particularly good um, oh really they they nearly get there and then they shit all over the floor uh, when they're really close to doing it well oh, that's um, really which is a sh- which is a shame but you know it, i think if they tried to do it in a less uh realistic manner they maybe would have gotten away with it but because they tried to make it as realistic as possible there's there's only so far you can push things without it becoming uh incorrect i suppose not not yeah. politically incorrect but just like it's not true and and i think that you can only bend the truth so far with things like mental illness representation um and and there's other issues as well like sometimes it's a bit too edgy for its own good 
it feels a bit too i'm a cool 13 year old boy and i'm wearing my united snakes of america t-shirt um, <laughs> he's joke is into he's into our men he's he? into our men um yeah sometimes it feels a little bit too edgy for its own good um and i think sometimes it plays around a little bit too much with the is he the hero or a villain whereas yeah. like i think the best movies that do this kind of thing like fight club for instance is a perfect example of a film that does this incredibly well or um nightcrawler starring jake gyllenhaal um if you liked if anyone listening to this liked joker go and see nightcrawler because you're gonna love it um yeah which is about uh yeah so it's about a, a character played by jake gyllenhaal who goes to scenes of crimes and car accidents and gets that horrible footage you see on cable news networks where it's right. really intrusive and horrible where you go into the house or you you do a zoom in on the car accident that kind of stuff and it's all about his rise to fame and rise in power within within local news um as this horrible cameraman effectively it's a brilliant movie um and and, and so what joker does is it's effectively taxi driver or king of comedy but the joker from batman yeah, I've heard a lot of um, comparisons to The King of Comedy, which is a fantastic film. So from yeah, that point and, of view, I actually so, really want to see it. And so it is It is good. I'd recommend people go and watch it, but it is, I don't know, It. It. it's very rarely just good. It's always either brilliant or shit. <laughs> and so... Um, I can I can understand why it's been divisive and a lot of the reviews have either been this is the greatest film ever or this is terrible but I think a lot of people's I I don't want to invalidate people's complaints about it Um, but I think a lot of the sort of um, more critical takes on it about it being a dangerous film are quite unfounded right Um, yeah and and I don't think it's aiming to do that as much as the press tried to amp it up to be this big controversial movie. I think actually it's a lot more subtle and a lot more interesting than that, um, which is good. Cool. Um, that sounds actually sounds really good. It's, it, it's nice to see a superhero movie where billionaires are not your friends. Yes. Um, which is really refreshing. And I love the fact that this movie kind of takes that angle with the Batman universe where forever there's been these benevolent millionaires um whereas in reality you know these people do not give a shit about people like the joker who come from low-income families who have mental health issues um and who you know american society is quite happy to let die in the quiet somewhere without anybody caring about them um so i I really love that there has been this superhero movie that shone a light on that um in a way that they very rarely do that's great so yeah i enjoyed it i wouldn't say it's great but it's it's good i i liked it i liked it more than i thought i was going to well it does sound very interesting i definitely want to see it now not yeah, that you... i ever will until it comes to the netflix yeah i mean you might hate it i'm not gonna lie yeah <laughs> you might think what is this pretentious uh this pretentious red pill bullshit <laughs> yeah but um, remember i do really like Joaquin phoenix so hopefully yeah. he can save it for me and it's got an amazing end. I really love the end with a little th- that it's kind of where it shits the bed from a mental health representation perspective. But overall, thematically, right. it's super good. Um, so, yeah, I I liked it. Listeners, did you like Joker? If you didn't come yell at me on the Internet, <laughs> if you did. Open you invitation it, to come yell at Rob on the Internet. Yeah, And if you did and you liked it more than me and you think I'm being a soy boy beater cuck, then come and yell at me on the Internet as well. I'm looking forward to your takes. Yeah. 
You are, you are definitely all of those things. I am definitely a soy, a boy, a beta, and a cuck. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> it's like a, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a soy, I'm a boy. <laughs> I'm a, what was that? A cuck. Yeah. I'm a beater, I'm a... Yeah, it, it just cuts off. That's... It just cuts off, yeah. Yeah. Easy one for karaoke. Indeed, indeed. So, have we got anything else you want to share, Paddy? Anything from no. your end? Any no, exciting updates? It. No, I haven't really seen anything because I've, yeah, I've um, yeah, just been looking after baby and dog. I've been to Frankfurt to go to the Frankfurt Book Fair and I'm back. So, yeah, here we are. I took only one photo in Frankfurt, which was a picture of a man in Lederhosen that was up in a frame on the wall in the airport. I've been <laughs> there so sounds... many times now that there's nothing else to see. It sounds like that's the most important photo to take, though, to be yeah. fair. But I did have bratwurst for lunch and dinner yesterday. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. I'm very jealous of your bratwurst. Yeah, it was a currywurst for lunch. Oh, and then I had a platter of sausages at the airport. Oh, that's so good. All you know, all the different types from all the yeah. different cities. Nuremberg's, Frankfurters, obviously. Yeah, it was great. I'm super jealous good of times. your sausage platter. So what are we what are we watching next? So we are going to end our Halloween month with a beautiful shit piece. Um, it's a film I've not seen in a very long time, but I remember being super entertaining. So we're going to be watching The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yes. Um, I I think I remember seeing this when it came out, actually. Yeah, not the original, not the classic. We're going to be watching the 2004 musical adaptation. Um, and yeah, this this movie is, is something else. So I'm really looking forward to watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I should say it for next week really shouldn't i uh, that's the problem though it's such a good score you yeah, can't it's very good you can't not i do have a soft spot for the the musical itself the lloyd Webber musical even though it's ridiculous yeah so do i it's a it's a really ambitious dumb beautiful baby yeah um yeah oh, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that hell yeah so am i it's gonna be great good choice good choice Right, well, in that case, all that's left to say is thank you very much for tuning in. So sorry we did we weren't with you last week, but we've hopefully been back with a bang this week. Another two films, so yeah, there we are. Halloween month is almost over, it seems strange. Shame. I know, I hate it. I hope you're all having a good old spooky month. I need to think of a Halloween name um, for Twitter. Paddy Boneston. Mm. <laughs> that's a bit rubbish. If you can think of one, let me know. I'm on Twitter at Pad- Paddy Johnston. We are on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Oh yeah, we should probably come up with them the big podcast as well. Paddy Tombstone. I've d- I've done that before, but yeah, uh... I could bring that could bring that back. It was very genuinely actually quite hard to think of something, so I might have to just do that before. Have you done Robert Goulden before? I don't think I've done Robert Goulden. I did Robot Gordon and what was the other one I did? I've only done it a couple of years. But uh, Robert Goulden is the best I've done so far. I, I need that to is good. To that is very year. good. And it's, you put it on on like the 1st of October. Mate, I changed my picture to my spooky picture and I put on my name because Halloween month, it is a month. It's not yeah. just a day. Get over so, yeah, it, people. I, I have not been as good, but it, I will get there. If I we promise. can celebrate Christmas for fucking three months of the year, 
you bastards. That it's we Christmas. <laughs> I'm up for that. I love I love Christmas. You know, I'm as do I. I don't I don't want to talk too much about what we're going to do at Christmas, but you know. There's, I, we've basically decided already because Netflix have released an incredible slate of this film is coming out, and I'm very excited. Most notably, of course, Christmas Prince Three, the Royal Baby. Oh yeah, that's a given. But we've got two others already lined up, haven't we? So it just leaves us with one slot to fill for that month. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're all going to be absolute corkers, though. Yep, I'm really excited. So yeah, after this, it's Christmas. It is. Well, no, you've got Bonfire Night. Oh got, yeah, yeah. It it goes Halloween, then a few days later you've got Bonfire Night, and then immediately it's Christmas mode. Is there a, a romantic um, Guy Fawkes film? Oh god, I really hope someone's done a romantic Guy Fawkes movie. Let's let's find that out before next time, so we can watch it if we if we have to. Uh, our boy was in a Guy Fawkes film, wasn't he? Carrie um, Elwes. No, our, our shorter, hairier boy, um, Kit Harrington. <laughs> Harry always. <laughs> um, Kit Kit Harrington was in was in a, a TV series about Guy Fawkes, wasn't he? Because he's 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 related to the to someone who was involved in the plot because he's a big posh boy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was called Gunpowder. Yeah, good title. Yeah, I don't think that um, it's romantic, unfortunately, but I heard it was good. Cool. Well, something to look into. Yes, but yeah, unfortunately, there's no there's no rom com about Guy Fawkes that I know oh, of. Shame. Guess we'll just have to make it ourselves, which is what we do. That'll be our next thing. That'll be our next thing. Who would star in it? Who would you have? Uh, well, Carrie Elwes, obviously. <laughs> Carrie Elwes. You can make it like a one man show, an Elwes vehicle. <laughs> he just plays everybody. Yeah. <laughs> what What would we call it though? That's the question. Fawkes. Forks you. <laughs> That's what we're calling it. It's a it's a rambunctious one man comedy show with with, yeah, with... guy fucks. <laughs> guy fucks. Uh, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, we're making this. Yeah, this is happening. <laughs> Need nominations for people who play Guy Fawkes and all the Parliament guys, the 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 fat cats in Parliament who he tried to blow up. We need all of them sorted. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> right, yep. okay. Terry Crews can be in it somewhere, obviously. Somewhere, yeah. Yep. He'll, he'll have a role somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. All right, well, we'll be back next week to talk about The Phantom of the Opera. Thanks, as ever, for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and we hope you're having a great Halloween month. Um, and do get in touch with us, as we say, on Twitter. Help us with our Halloween names, at BigBoysDon'tPod, at Robert underscore Gordon underscore. Is that right? That is indeed. Um, at Paddy Johnson. Easy. Yeah, get in touch. What's right. your spooky name? What's if, if you could marry Guy Fawkes, would you marry him? <laughs> I wouldn't. He's been dead a very long time. Yeah. Can you get your hair into the shape of a heart? Yeah, exactly. Would yep. you wear a big muscle suit made of <laughs> muscle and armor? For love. For love. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Goodbye. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I didn't talk enough about Gary Oldman's accent. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. They're all of me along with the sheriff.